Giant President Dennis A. Erdl. Thank you for joining us for the 10th episode of the Firesidecast, the only presidential podcast in Upper Arlington. Today I'm joined in the studio by cabinet member and executive producer of the Firesidecast, Ryan Huntley. We'll start this week's episode with a special announcement from Ryan. Hi, Dennis. So a lot of people know, a lot of people in UA know that every year uh, my house uh, runs a animated Christmas light show that's, that's paired alongside with music uh, and the lights will uh, flash in time with the music and it, it just creates this really awesome entertaining effect. And typically each year we collect uh, funds from people who come to see the show. We have a donation box. We collect funds. Uh, for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Uh, but this year, um, in UA, uh, principal of Wycliffe Elementary School, Chris Kalaros, has recently received a cancer diagnosis. Uh, so we are collecting funds in our donation box this year to help go towards a fund that's uh, supporting his, his cancer treatment. So if you get a chance, uh, come out and see the show. It's at 4460 Reed Road every night at 5 o'clock until midnight uh, from now until New Year's. So come and check it out and help support Mr. Kolaris because uh, he means a whole lot to our community and um, your support is greatly appreciated. And with that, we'll move on to our second topic for this week. Um, today, November 28th, marked the official end of the midterm season with the runoff in Mississippi concluding with a win for the Republicans, um, Cindy Hyde-Smith, um, who was previously appointed by the um, Mississippi governor to fill a vacant Senate seat, beat Democratic challenger Mike Espy by about 8%. Um, she won with about 53.9% of the vote, um, which was a bit higher than a lot of people were expecting as um, she did make some controversial statements um, regarding attending a public hanging. Um, Mississippi was one of the states with the highest amount of lynchings mm -hmm. um, throughout the Jim Crow era. And also she did make um, some other statements which were um, deemed controversial. What, what is your take on this, Ryan? Well, I know that in this day and age, a lot of things will end up causing controversy, uh, particularly throughout election season. But, you know, with states in the Deep South, oftentimes you're going to see these controversies crop up from, you know, the Confederate era and the Jim Crow era. But I honestly, I think it's just kind of saddening and slightly disturbing as to the state of our democracy that these kinds of things are happening in what should otherwise be a relatively routine uh, runoff election um, and to have the candidate who wins be at the root of such a deep controversy like this kind of speaks to what I think to be the problem with our democracy right now and it's that everything that happens right now is just embroiled into this tremendous web of partisan gridlock and an anger that's going on in our politics right now and to have a candidate with statements like that winning I think it shows 
some issues within the American population and within our electoral system. Um, and of course, in, in a state like Mississippi, Sidney Hyde-Smith didn't even have to campaign. Mm -hmm. She was going to win. And so I, I don't see her reasoning behind making such statements in the first place. Um, in a more close election, I, I suppose um, one might try to appeal to the far right using such statements, but um, Smith was going to win no matter what. Donald Trump carried this state by double digits. Um, however, last year, one of the main reasons why Doug Jones won in Alabama was because um, his opponent was accused of being a pedophile. And I, I wonder if the, that is a slightly different controversy than being accused of being a neo-Confederate. What, what do you think? Well, I think that, that sexual misconduct like this is something that almost everyone universally opposes, which is why I think that it was able to sway more people over to the Democrat side in this race, whereas uh, in the Mississippi runoff, what you're seeing is something that is appealing very much to one far side of the spectrum, whereas uh, it's alienating the other side. And that is what we're seeing all over the nation in our politics right now, is that candidates in safe states are, as you said, they don't have to campaign. So instead, what you see is this competition between candidates of the dominant party just trying to be as ideological as possible, just sort of trying to beat out the partisanship of those they're running against and just become the most far right or the most far left candidate that can be placed on the ballot. So I think that, yeah, you're right, it is a different kind of controversy because in one sense you're appealing to your very far right basis, your, your base, who is essentially going to elect you regardless, mm -hmm. and on the other side, you're really not appealing to anyone. So I do think it's a different kind of controversy, yes. And of course, to add on to your statement about how um, the candidates are becoming more polarizing, in um, New York, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, beat out the Democratic incumbent in, in the Democratic primary there, um, running far to the left of the incumbent there. And so I, I do agree with your point that candidates from both parties are becoming more ideologically extreme. Mm -hmm. And of course, with the end of the uh, midterms upon us now, uh, we do have the final results um, with the Democrats having um, 234 seats in the House of Representatives, not too far off from the presidential prediction of 232. Um, of course, there were quite a lot of flips, um, mm -hmm. a, a number of them in California, in which the, the Democrats um, took control throughout a lot of former Ronald Reagan territory, mm -hmm. Orange County. Um, and however, in the Senate, the Republicans did make a number of flips um, in Missouri and in North Dakota and Indiana, but those are red states. And so a lot of people were expecting the Democrats to lose there. Um, what is your take on the results? 
Well, I definitely uh, think that it's interesting that we've now got one House of Congress that's leaning in one direction and another House that's leaning in, in another direction. So I think that's going to lead to some very interesting uh, measures being up for debate across the two different Houses, things that are going to get past one and not past the other and vice versa. So I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what manages to make it all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, I, you mentioned your an initial prediction of 232 uh, House seats uh, for the Democrats. What about those two seats? Which two flips are you most interested in? Which two did you not expect? And where have Democrats taken these, these two seats that you didn't expect to happen? Well, one of, the seat, one of the flips which I thought was very interesting was in Virginia, um, where a Democratic challenger ousted the the leader of the Tea Party, and um, that that seat was long considered to be um, in Republican territory. However, the Democrats have recently been making inroads into Virginia, considering that they've won um, every presidential election there since two thousand eight, um, and so I feel like Virginia has been going more blue um, in, in these past couple of years. Uh, another one of the um, flips which I thought was um, very interesting, um, it's one of the two Republican flips um, where Republicans won a seat which was previously held by a Democrat and this was in Minnesota. Um, there the Republican won against a Democratic incumbent and I, I think um, this should send some warning lights to the Democrats um, towards their status in the North. Mm -hmm. um, recently, um, Democrats haven't been doing too well, um, losing um, a lot of the Rust Belt states, um, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and um, Wisconsin, and also Ohio to the Republicans in 2016. Um, so I, I think that this should send some warning signs um, to Democrats about uh, about what could be um, on the way. However, the Democrats also did have some pickups in the Rust Belt as well, um, where um, the Democratic candidate for governor in Wisconsin uh, beat the incumbent Republican um, governor there, and also the, the the Democrats did take the the governor's mansion in Michigan and they held on to Pennsylvania. Um, so I think the Democrats might be um, uh, rebuilding their northern wall. However, um, in Ohio, uh, the Democrats didn't have too much of a good night. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, Cordray and DeWine seemed a lot closer in the polls than it did on election night. And also, a lot of people were expecting Sherrod Brown to win. Yes, he did win, but people were expecting him to win by a larger margin. Um, the margin was significantly lower than what was expected. So I, I don't think Democrats really had a good night um, here in uh, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans, they, they, they think they feel pretty comfortable right now going on ahead. The blue wave was definitely not a blue wave. Mm -hmm. um, the blue ripple, 
perhaps, blue maybe, um, but it, it wasn't the blue wave a lot of people were expecting. Or hoping for, really. I mean, I know that a lot of the, the Democratic campaigns out there were very much based on this idea of getting out more Democratic votes and you know, getting Democrats more engaged than they've, than they've seemingly been in these previous elections. But um, what do you think about the Democrats who were elected? Because even though this wasn't the blue wave that I think a lot of people were expecting, it was an interesting night, to say the least, for Democrats, because we have gotten a lot of firsts mm -hmm. in the government with this election. We have um, one of the youngest people ever elected in the Congress. We have... Um, of course, the first uh, Native American woman mm -hmm. in Congress. And in Colorado, we have uh, an openly gay governor. So that's uh, interesting. What do you think about these really powerful firsts that the, that the Democratic vote has, has gotten in office? Indeed, I, I do think it is um, uh, a year of the firsts. Um, and of, of course, um, Colorado being a major victory for the um, LGBTQ community. And Arizona did elect its first female senator, um, Kirsten Sinema, um, who was a Democrat. Um, she was trailing behind her opponent on election night. However, uh, um, when the mail-in ballots came in, um, she came out on top. And so a, a lot of people weren't expecting a Democratic um, flip there. Um, but uh, it, it did flip blue. And also, um, Dean Heller lost in Nevada um, to um, the, the state's first female s senator as well. Um, so indeed, there were quite a lot of firsts. And I, I know for many years, the Democratic Party has been trying to increase turnout. Um, I, I think they have been successful um, in some states, like Texas. Uh, where Beto O'Rourke came very close um, to beating Ted Cruz. Um, I, I believe he ended the night with about 47%, which is something you don't expect of uh, a Democrat in a state, in a ruby red state like Texas. Mm -hmm. um, however, the Democrats haven't been doing too well in other states like Georgia, um, where Brian Kemp uh, beat Stacey Abrams, who would have been the state's first. African-American governor. Um, and um, in Georgia as well, um, Ron DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum, who would have also um, been the state's um, first African-American. Um, also, um, the incumbent se senator in um, Florida, Bill Nelson, was defeated by the current governor of Florida um, in, in a race which was expected to go to Bill Nelson. It, it was close, but Bill Nelson was slightly up in the polls, and, and so I think a lot of the polls have been um, underestimating the Republican mm -hmm. turnout in a lot of states. Now, there is one exception to this, and that's Nevada. Um, in Nevada, um, the Democrats have been constantly unrepresented, uh, underrepresented. Um, in, in 2016, a lot of people were expecting Donald Trump to win in Nevada. He didn't. It went to Hillary Clinton. Um, it, but also, um, this year, a lot of um, pollsters were predicting that Dean Heller would keep his seat. He didn't. But in other states, it's um, the exact opposite, where the Republicans are constantly 
underrepresented. And I, I wonder really if that has something to do with the hyperpartisanship that we're seeing that's driven a lot of people, I think, to consider this, themselves independents right up until the night of the election and then break one way or the other because there's really no choice for independent voters in such a hyperpartisan election climate. So I, I wonder if, if those who respond as undecided right up until the election and then break in one direction or the other have something to do with that and mm -hmm. if so, if hyperpartisanship is at fault. Yes, I agree. And with that, we'll move on to our third and final topic for this week, and that is the Winter Dance Raffle, which will be held um, throughout next week, um, starting on Monday and up to Thursday. The class officers and I, and possibly some cabinet members, will be selling raffle tickets um, during lunch. And um, these raffle tickets will be $2, and the winner will receive um, two tickets to the winter dance, which has a theme of um, winter wonderland this year. And um, of course, um, I, I will now reveal the price of those um, tickets for the winter dance. I know this is very highly anticipated among the student body. <laughs> um, this year, um, the class officers and I have decided that the tickets shall be priced at $15. And I, I think that's a very low amount. As do I, particularly compared to the way it's been in the past. So uh, I, thank, I believe home th thank you to you and the class officers for, for getting that to be uh, so affordable for us. Indeed, and I would also like to thank Mr. Wagner. He did, of course, um, significantly help us lower the price and, of course, my other fellow class officers who assisted in lowering the price uh, this year. I, I believe for, no, for the homecoming dance, it was at about $30. So 50, uh, a 50% decrease. So, yes. Thank you very much. And um, so, yes, the winner will receive um, two tickets to the winter dance. And, um, and the collected money will go towards charity, of course, um, and we do expect to raise uh, a lot of money. I know uh, UA is a community that um, is, is very generous, mm -hmm. and uh, of course in the winter months it is important to help those who are not as well off as we here in Upper Arlington are, and um, I encourage all of my um, fellow classmates to participate in the winter um, dance raffle. Major funding for the Fireside Cast has been provided by Serpent Cinematography, Evolve Turtle Productions, Thunderstruck Studios, and Hyatt Studios, and by the Combat Robot Kev Foundation, empowering robotics engineering since 2016 and from generous contributions from viewers like you. Thank you! If you'd like to support the Fireside Cast, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash firesidecast. Or you could contact a cabinet member for further information.